My trip from the Denver International Airport to my hotel was supposed to take 20 minutes and cost me $30. But instead, it lasted a lifetime. And it cost me everything. I'm rating my driver Marcus one star. Not for his driving ability, but instead for his disloyalty and cowardice. For turning his back on our village and selling us out to the Slee Stacks to save his own neck. We discussed it. We all agreed. If any of us were caught, we wouldn't compromise the village. There's a character limit on these reviews, so I can't tell the whole story here. But what I can say is that I was stuck in a land of the lost situation with this Uber driver for 20 years. And if given the opportunity, he will turn his back on you. Just know that if you find yourself in a similar situation, Marcus cannot be trusted. Our world is overrun with unethical capitalism, incorrect orders and fraud. Plastic bits are breaking off things we just bought. People at work are just standing around chatting and shit. Rampant unprofessional fuckery is everywhere. Something must be done. And you must be the one to do it. In these dire straits, it's your duty as a consumer of Earth to wield the greatest weapon in your arsenal. The One Star Review. Hello and welcome to the first episode of The One Stars. My name's Negative Nancy and I hate my life. How I managed to find myself in this situation is unclear, but yes, I am indeed the host of this podcast, The One Stars. I'm supposed to say that we promise to bring you the very best one-star reviews from all across the multiverse. But you know what? I don't believe it. I don't believe that for one second. I'm only here for the meagre paycheck, and you, you're listening to me talk because, well, I guess you've got nothing better to do. Did you tell them the thing? I'm getting to it, chatbot. Well, don't forget. I'm literally about to say it right now. Okay. I'd like to start by... Nancy, I was thinking... What? Uh, what is it? It can... wait. As I was saying, I'd like to start by apologising for the entire premise of this show. The one-star reviews are, without a doubt, the most useless thing ever. And as an independent podcast team with the entirety of our egos and self-worth wrapped up in the perceived success of our shows, we know firsthand that receiving a one-star review can, at times, be the most traumatising experience in a person's life. So, if you're considering leaving a one-star review on an item, business, or even a podcast, please know that the only reason you should ever leave a one-star review is for problematic material, or if it's really low quality compared to expectations you'd built up in your head, or if you feel threatened, or if you're bored, or if they were really nasty to you, or if they ignored you, or, uh, hmm. If you have definitive proof of their involvement in some sort of multi-level marketing scheme. Uh, yeah, I think that just about covers every reason. Not that silly, I meant don't forget to tell them the ship sponsorship thing. 
Right, yeah, I'm supposed to tell you that we're coming to you live aboard the fabulous Space Windu from, uh, somewhere in space, I guess. Fucked if I know, really. All space looks the same. We're orbiting Narihiri in the crystal alien quadrant of Bizau. Well, that clears it up. Thanks, chatbot. You are so welcome, Nancy, but just in case you are being passive-aggressively sarcastic as a defense mechanism for your own ignorance of space geography, I'll elaborate by saying that this planet is often referred to as Hooverville. Why does that sound familiar? You have 13 active arrest warrants in Hooverville. Shit, that's right. It's the alligator hat thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's mostly alligator hat stuff, but there's also something about punching a police officer. Well, I don't remember that. There's also a picture. See? Ah, yep, that's definitely me. I don't miss that hairstyle at all. And you know what? I don't care what those bastards in Peter have to say. Alligators look downright adorable wearing tiny hats. And that's a hill I'm willing to die on. Anyway, let's get back to it then, shall we? The following reviews are 100% true, in the sense that due to the nature of the multiverse, all possible events and outcomes are true in some timeline. Today's reviews come to us from the timeline in which Canada doesn't exist. It's just not there. Let me be clear. I am 100% not exaggerating when I say that my trip to the moon was the absolute worst experience of my entire life. Once we got inside, we were subjected to all sorts of lasers and beeping doodads and whatnots and lines. So many never-ending lines. We finally get past security. We find out more great news. We've been delayed for four hours, all because of a solar flare. Ah, solar flare. Ridiculous! The trip itself was, for the most part, uneventful. At one point, my daughter woke me up complaining that the Wi-Fi wasn't working. Which is weird, because I remember paying an extra 25 credits for the continuous Wi-Fi. Hey, if I paid for a service with continuous in the name, I expect it to always be available. My daughter had planned to binge the new season of Gilmore Girls, but Due to the collective incompetence of your entire organization, she was forced to stare blankly out the window for hours as we approached the lunar surface. Boring. The resort, if you can even call it that, informed us that our luggage had been misplaced. How does that even happen? All you have to do is get three suitcases from the Earth to the moon without losing them. What's so hard about that? It's not like it's rocket science. Then the actual vacation begins, and surprise, there's none to do. Let me describe the moon in three words. Boring, dumb, dirt. Oh, oh, and that's dirt with a U. For some reason, they spell it that way up there. Wanna check out the local lunar cuisine? Spoiler alert, it's chicken nuggets. It's always chicken nuggets. Hey, I didn't come all the way to the moon to eat the same damn chicken nuggets I ate in my car on my lunch break back on Earth. And what's with the entire kitchen staff having mustaches? Was that some sort of moon kitchen requirement or uniform? The place is staffed almost exclusively by weird sweaty uncles. Once you notice it, it can be pretty unsettling. The promotional flyers all said it was our home away from home. Or, or something like experience the romantic isolation of the moon. But guess what? There are so many damn people here. Everywhere you go, there's a, a long line of 
ugly, dumb tourists wearing those ridiculous moon hats. And dogs. So many dogs. Hey, if you think dogs howl at the moon, you should hear them howl when they're actually on the moon. My wife signed us up for the dark side morning hike. If you ask me, you should call it the dark side morning hype. Because uh, I didn't see what the big deal was. The view is hardly impressive. Now, I've seen other reviewers on here say that they had a life-changing experience that caused them to reevaluate their place in the universe. But all I saw was a cluster of stars and lights. And all I could think was, after a four-hour hike, this is it? The sea of stars or whatever the hell that guy was calling it looked completely fake. I've seen better pictures of stars online. My trip to the moon was a complete waste of time and money. I am so over the moon. One star. Well, turns out the moon sucks. Can't say I'm surprised. A big parasitic great dust ball in space. If the Earth had a second moon, the current moon would definitely be the second most popular. And don't at me on Twitter about how cool and mysterious the moon is, you fucking whackers. I love the moon. Yeah, moon, moon, moon. <sighs> Coming up next, we have a review of... Oh, you've got to be shitting me. It's more stuff about the moon. <laughs> I walked every inch of this museum and never once saw my name. You should be ashamed of yourselves. Seems as if you've forgotten me. My name is James Powell, and I am the uncredited screenwriter for the 1969 summer blockbuster, The Moon Landing. People talk about Stanley Kubrick's brilliant cinematic vision like I didn't write the damn thing. The smug bastard did manage to find some ways to rub his personal little stamp all over it. My script called for a shot of a still non-blowing, unmoving American flag. But Kubrick thought that the imagery of a blowing flag would make for a much more pro-American shot. So that's how that ridiculous bullshit happened. One small step for man. One giant leap for mankind. Remember that little gem? All me. Well, that's not entirely true. Famous astronaut and below-average friend Neil Armstrong and I worked together on crafting his famous line. But if I'm being honest with myself and with my Yelp-reviewing colleagues, I should admit that I did about 85% of the work to Neil's 10%. And a member of Craft Services came up with the one giant leap bit, so they get 5%. Before that, we were considering a hop, skip, and a jump for mankind, or bunny hop for the human race. <laughs> Neil fucked up his lines anyway. Once I turned in the final draft of the moon landing script, I lost all creative control on the project. A man in a black suit gave me a check for $3,500 and then drove away in a black Cadillac. Right away, I went out and bought a black suit. Oh, and a hamburger. I couldn't afford the Cadillac yet, but it was coming soon. I could feel it. I thought I'd finally made it big. I envisioned the moon landing as an epic trilogy and eventually we'd be able to spin it off into an entire cinematic universe. I'd already started outlining the sequel, 
The earth is dying. Neil is dead. Buzz, along with an overwhelmed rookie astronaut partner, is forced to travel back to the moon in 1971 to find out the truth of Neil's death and the secret origins of humanity. The third one was going to be something to do with lunar land rides and colonial disputes, but I hadn't written it out yet. I didn't want to get ahead of myself. I watched in awe on that summer night in July 1969. Not at the television screen, but at all the faces enraptured by our art. No one watching the moon landing that night would ever be the same again. Pleased with our opening night success, I sat back and waited for their call. I planned to play a little hardball during negotiations. first film was a hit, and that meant I had some leverage now. I wasn't about to squander the opportunity. But the call never came. NASA Studios decided to hire a new team of writers and proceeded to churn out five subpar sequels in three years. Apollo 12, Apollo 14, and Apollo 17 were major flops and largely ignored by the general public. By 1973, it was clear that the American people were bored with the moon, and the plug was officially pulled on the Apollo moon landing franchise. And now you're all trying to write me out of history. Put me in the museum, or I'll go to Channel 7 with everything I know. Everything. One star. Now see this. This one I can believe. NASA admits they erased the moon landing tapes. No dust on the landing pads, no stars in the broadcast, no rotation, no orbit, no globe. Um, but Nancy, we're in space. Right now. Facts don't matter, I'm on a roll. When do I get to talk? It's my turn to introduce a review. Shut it, chatbot. We haven't got much time left. Review of Grand Canyon National Park. My wife told me our baby wasn't mine right as we got there. One star. Right. Well, thanks for that. Seems like a terrible place to end the first episode. I have another one. Trust me, it's pretty bad out. Did you just say bad out? Yeah, bad out. As in, did you check out the new Janet Jackson album? It's pretty bad out. Or... Whoa, that new jean jacket is bad out. Where did you get it? Or everyone please enjoy this bad out review of a ukulele. We've all had bad neighbors. They steal your parking spot. They leave their laundry in the washing machines and the clothes just sit there wasting everyone's time. They party too late and too often, and they don't listen when you kindly ask them to stop doing all the things they do. Each neighbor is terrible, but they're all terrible in their own special way. My neighbor is a musician. You'll note I didn't say a professional or good musician. It may be more accurate to say that my neighbor is a person with no discernible talent who also happens to own several musical instruments trombone, cello, 
xylophone, uh, the tiny little flute thing. I don't remember what it's called. Oh, and drums. They have drums, too. And did I mention they sing? Not on pitch or on key, mind you, but boy, they are good at projecting. Their voice just really fills up a room. I tried to convince my neighbor to take up another hobby. But when this plan failed, I did something I told myself I would never do. I also became a musician. My goal was clear, and it was not to be a professional or good musician. I wanted to be the loudest musician. It was time for my neighbor to hear the low thumping of my bass line while they tried to watch CSI Miami. I have acquired a number of instruments from this manufacturer, and almost all of them have been well up to par in creating a racket. Uh, the bagpipes, the kettle drum, the... Uh, oh, freaking piccolo! That's what it's called, the, the, the little flute thingy. Oh, and the trumpet! My neighbor angrily knocked on my door while I was greeting the sun with my daily 5 a.m. rendition of First Call. That was the best reaction yet. But then they went inside and started playing their drums, and it just sounded like they were covering Dave Matthews' band. I didn't know what to do, but I knew I needed to take it to the next level. I googled, what's the opposite of a trumpet? Boom! Ukulele! I had such high hopes for this ukulele. You might ask, is this a good instrument for a noise war? Not necessarily, no. But let me ask you in return, do you know just how awful and out of tune ukulele sounds? It's absolutely terrible. I was looking forward to tuning this ukulele nice and off key and then sitting on my porch strumming it until my neighbor's ears bled. It was gonna be great. But this ukulele is so quiet. Absolutely ineffective. Are, are all ukuleles this quiet? I'm not sure it would bother my neighbor even if they were sitting on the porch next to me. This is a useless weapon for my noise war. Yeah, if you're looking for calm, quiet strumming, I suppose this might suit your need. But I make music to be heard. I need to fill the air with sound. Recently, I found some success with an out-of-tune banjo. I passed my neighbor on the stairwell, and I saw the look in their eyes. They're beginning to rethink their life choices. I'm winning this war. I don't recommend this ukulele for anything other than peacetime. One star. And then it says you just roll the barrel down a hill and you're good. Wow, it's really that easy, is it? Okay, uh, oh, now search maximum term limits for manslaughter if it's a case of self-defense. Oh shit, fuck. Uh, hi, hello there. Sorry about that. Just doing some independent research. <laughs> uh, still getting used to this whole live broadcast thing. Fuck yes. Hear that? That's the sound of a brontosaurus who just found some snacks they forgot they had. And that means it's time to wrap up this episode of The One Stars. 
I'm contractually obligated to do six episodes this season. I had the option to do a full 20 episode first run, but I'm fairly glad I didn't agree to that now. Bye bye catch you later, alligator. Laters. Get the fuck out of here, go on, off your fuck. Get the fuck out. The One Stars is a Good Point podcast. This episode was written and produced by Jeremy Illett. The Ukulele Review was written by Tal Manir. Obviously, the One Stars would be absolutely nothing if it wasn't hosted by me, Negative Nancy. Voiced by Emma Elizabeth. Huh? Who said that? But also, I had a little bit of help from some of my space cowboys. I'm Blythe Renee, and I played Chatbot. You can hear me play other unsettlingly not-quite-human characters in the Subjective Truth podcast and in the video game Borderlands 3. Review of an Uber driver was voiced by Vin Ernst. You can find them on Twitter at SeriouslyVin. And if you would like to hear more of their work, make sure to check out their podcasts, Aftershocks and Liminal Apocalypse. And our announcer was voiced by the ever-talented Garon Fitzgerald. Garon appears several times in season one of The One Stars. So if you need more Garon, just stick around. He'll be back. Hey everybody, this is Bruce Henniger, and I voiced the review of A Moon Trip and the uncredited screenwriter of The Moon Landing. Um, these are both really fun for me. I really like space stuff, so uh, <laughs> even if it is sarcastic and funny. If you'd like to hear more from me or see more of my work, you can hit up my website, hennigervo.com. That's H-E-N-N-I-G-A-R-V-O.com. Uh, I also am part of a podcast called Evolution, where I talk about my VO journey with my buddies. And um, you can hit me up on Twitter, at ScrubsDJ. That's S-C-R-U-B-E-S-D-J. Thank you for listening. This is Megan Conrad. Thank you for listening. Also, thank you to everyone who's ever left a one-star review. Your anger is our entertainment. Bye! Review of the ukulele was performed by Caroline Lee. We look forward to hearing from you, and you can look forward to hearing from us on the next episode of The One Stars. I bought this for my grandson. One star. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. So this is the end of the world. Pretty weird, right? I'm Hannah. I'm sure you've probably noticed by now. I'm a zombie. Might even be the last one. From the creator of Redmond Born and Cybernautica. I can't exactly control most of the things zombie me does. I'm basically what amounts to a backseat driver in my own body. You learn to kind of just go with it after a while, I think. Like, do I feel bad for eating a family of four when I was new? You bet. Not exactly my favorite memory. <laughs> Hannah is living her best unlife, while unknowingly being on a crash course with Callie, an explorer desperately seeking to leave her mark on an American wasteland that seems to be all out of new discoveries. One might say that it's the comics that got me into this, but between you and me, I'm gonna blame the McSodas. No sense in ruining everything I like in one day. Together, this unlikely pair team up against the dangers of post-apocalyptia. Okay, okay, this thing is not playing around at all. Shit, incoming! Sometimes I miss the old days. 
killing zombies for upstart communities. Now that was a lot more simple. A lot more ethical, too. Wouldn't you say so? Don't you think it's a little more ethical to kill a zombie than just some stranger on the road? An Apocalypse. A story about love, death, and robots. Just not the Netflix guy.